Hey, and welcome to the uh, Deconstructor Fun Podcast. Now, in this episode, I'm going to be your host, Mishka Katkov, and I'm joined by Joachim, who started Elite Game Developers about a year ago. Now, Elite Game Developers, if you don't know it, is much like Deconstructor of Fun. They have a blog, they have a podcast, they even have a book. We don't have a book, we should write a book. But anyway, uh, it's, a, it's a resource. And while the Deconstructor of Fun focuses on the product, the market, the marketing, Elite Game Developer really focuses on strategies for running a games business. So it's like a games startup uh, blog and podcast. Now, in this episode, we talk with Joachim about our paths and how they've crossed several times. After all, we we work in free-to-play games industry in Helsinki. That's a small city in a, in a super small industry. And I think this is interesting because Joachim has been through a lot. He's worked in games for about 20 years, uh, started at least two different companies. Last of one, which was Next Games, uh, which he actually IPO'd. Uh, and in many ways, this episode is a blast from the past. Uh, of course, it talks about our, our history, our paths, this and that, but it also is a blast from the past when I was listening through it because we recorded it just before the uh, the corona pandemia hit uh, Helsinki. So, um, yeah, a lot of change since then, and, and I hope you, our listeners, are are safe, um, doing good, um, you know, your families are safe, and, and you have plenty of toilet papers. But but before we, we kick it off, I'd, I'd still like to thank, I'd very much like to thank our sponsors. So first and foremost, Iron Source, arguably the best growth engine on the market. You've likely, you know, checked out their amazing blog on Medium, their Level Up podcast. So now you're probably listening to a lot of podcasts, so make sure you subscribe to Level Up as well. And what I do suggest is signing up to their newsletter. So it's it's really solid. Actually, I just read the latest uh, newsletter and signed up to a webinar that was uh, advertised in the newsletter named How to Maximize LTV Against Sky High CPIs. Essentially, this is my life. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Iron Source is super legit stuff. So I, I really recommend you go to their webpage and, you know, podcast, everything, just wealth of knowledge. And secondly, I, you know, I can't record this podcast uh, focusing on game startups without mentioning the one and only Play Ventures. Uh, if you are setting up a game startup, Play VC is, is who you want to have in your corner. The founders are, you know, true gamers, game professionals, entrepreneurs with, you know, simply unrivaled experience and network. So if you're listening to this podcast, Joachim gets you all excited about being a founder, being an entrepreneur. I suggest you go to playventures.vc and connect with with the uh, with the fund, or just you know DM me. That works too. I'm tight with PlayVC. Anyways, hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I enjoyed recording it, and um, hope you're safe. Hi, Miska. <laughs> What's up, Joachim? This is this is funny. So we are we know each other for a long time. Yes. And um, I mean, I, okay, so I'll, I remember you from, from like the first time I ever saw you and met you, I think it was about 10 years ago. And yes. there was this, some kind of, um, there was some kind of an event that was about free to play games. I was working at digital chocolate in um, free to, you know, early free to play games. And I remember you were at this event talking about, you had a company called morning star or something with the star. Right? <laughs> Yes. What Something was it like that? <laughs> no, come on. What was it? Iron Star. Iron Star. I was, like, I was probably thinking about the Dia- about the Diablo weapon, the Morning Star. I was like, yeah, it's close enough. Yeah. 
um, anyway, that. so, <laughs> that's actually a better name for a club. I, actually, that's a really good name. Morning star, Morning, Morning star yeah. ventures. Yeah. That's yeah, a, that, yeah, that will be the fund. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have a name for the fund already, but I'm okay. <laughs> well, let, let's talk about the fund in a moment. But anyway, so I, I you were there, you were talking about, you guys were making a, a game that was kind of like, um, kind of like a, it looked like a almost, maybe I'm just remembering this is funny to to kind of think about old times but it was kind of like a social platform it was kind of like have a hotel yeah uh on facebook right yes yeah and uh, curiously that event was at the have a hotel building uh in that castle building right, right. yeah 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 and i remember we were just sitting there we we're talking about like and you were giving some numbers and we had some numbers and you know what we were seeing and we we're like this dude those are weak numbers <laughs> like i, I remember know we were like young and super cocky <laughs> yeah we, yeah it was a port to facebook from a destination site mm-hmm. and it never really picked up any pace and we didn't do any ua um, so early days Lots of learnings. Yeah, I mean, you should, <laughs> the the, na- the name of the game should have been called Struggle City then, because yeah, it I was different. So. <laughs> but <laughs> so so at that point, at the point of the Morning Star and the prison, <laughs> Iron Star yes. and the presentation at the uh, the Hapa Hotel building, how long had you been working in games? Uh, probably five five years since I started Iron Iron Star. Wow, if I remember correct, but I actually started to, in two thousand doing like uh, WAP games at a like a early stage mobile game startup so in Wapio. So yes, yeah, so it's it's twenty years now. Oh shit! You're an OG. You know that, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell me about like like what got you started in games? Because if you started twenty years ago, mm-hmm. it wasn't like starting now. It was, it's not even like starting five years ago, even 10 years ago when, when I started uh, about 11 years ago, uh, it was, it was questionable. Like people, I, I was from business school, not, not a programmer. And yeah. people were looking at me like I'm some kind of a dummy when I said, I'm going to go and make Facebook games. And they were like, what the fuck? Like, dude, like, what are you doing? A Facebook game? Yeah. And, um, you know, that's a different story still. But yeah, I started as a programmer, so I was doing like hobby projects already mm-hmm. as a kid with like Amiga, like building games and stuff, not, not having a clue about like what a job in a game industry would look like, but it was more about the hobby. Mm-hmm. But then like being in, in the university and learning into like, you know, into the profession, like going into bachelor's degree in, in computer science, then it was yeah. a bit of a knowledge that okay this is probably how projects are built with teams and things like that and then i was doing this internship at this company where it wasn't an internship it was actually paid paid programmers position uh Mm -hmm. quickly like learning how it works actually to be at a company where you get ownership for a project i remember that that was big takeaway was the the kind of ownership when you're in a that was a startup uh every everybody was kind of like there was one programmer per game and I was, I had three during that time that I was there, three different games that I worked on as the, kind of the only, only guy. We had a backend like guy who was building all the backends for those, mm. 
games and and that was like the early nokia days when when yes. people are building games for nokia so that, that's how kind of like where the finnish mobile gaming industry started is everybody was subcontracting for nokia and, and their mm-hmm. their their engage and various other other game um uh, yeah not game platforms but game phones yeah so, okay. yeah so so how did you like from working as a programmer Uh, how did you, at that point, when there's not a lot of VCs, you know, there's no lifeline walking around, there's no, no play VC, there's no, there's none of those. Like, how did you get into starting your own company? Like, where did you get the funding and, and how did you, you know, how did you come up with that? Because it takes, it takes a lot of balls to start a company. Yeah, I, I think I ha- had no other chance because I was constantly like feeling like so stuck working for somebody else. <laughs> I, I always had this kind of like dream that I want to have my own own mm-hmm. business uh so it, it was like early days i was doing a lot of projects on my own uh as a hobby like basically where i started with games i went into mm-hmm. like do you remember this thing called cd-rom in the 90s <laughs> like, <laughs> so I, i was doing some cd-rom projects back in the day actually <laughs> that's where i started like doing projects that i was uh doing my own like a, a product and I sold it to somebody who basically licensed that to distribute it as a CD-ROM. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, I didn't have any other chance. I couldn't work for anybody else. Yeah, so that's I, why I started Ironstar. And, so Ironstar, was that your first company? That was basically the first real okay. company, yes. And then, and then I remember, so, so that's, that's like when I first saw you and, and, and then um, we crossed paths Uh, I remember like literally cross paths uh, the moment when um, I was going to Supercell and you were coming out of Supercell. Yes. And I remember we had a breakfast and you had an idea of starting your own company again uh, mm. as, as you were leaving Supercell. And you were kind of, you know, you, you were asking if I want to join, right? We were yeah. having this breakfast. And then I, I was like, dude, I mean, and then I pulled my car. Like, I'm actually going there. <laughs> I yeah. thought you are there. <laughs> yes. And then that's, that was like, the door opened, you walked out, I walked in. So yeah. Uh, yeah. tell me about, tell me about like, um, like this is one of the key questions probably like you were, you worked at, um, was you, were you like a, a director of analytics at Supercell? Yeah, I was there for almost a year and mm-hmm. three months or something. Uh, I, so, it, it, it was constantly kind of like the, the feeling that I need to do another games company, but it, <laughs> it was a bit scary to think about like going through what I experienced because I was a only founder in the first company and all the stress was on me. So it was still, I needed to kind of like take and take it easy for a while. And then you you went and took it easy at Supercell. (laughs) Yeah. But it was like, you know what? I've been thinking about this situation when I was going to Supercell, I actually had three options. Uh I don't name, I won't name the companies. One of them is very close <laughs> by uh, and still big in the game industry in Finland. But it, it was Sorobio? like that, that was that was like those three companies. Supercell was actually the last pick. So I wasn't really good at picking the place. I was like, that was the last option where I want to go. Uh-huh. So it, it was like the other company, they didn't get funding, so I couldn't join. And mm-hmm. the other company never replied back to me. That sounds like Provio back then. <laughs> <laughs> then then the, like Supercell <laughs> wanted me to join. Yeah. And it, it was kind of like the, the plan C. <laughs> you know, that was yeah. when it was gunshine. I didn't really like the game. No, I mean, it felt, 
yeah, it was like super complex. I couldn't understand how somebody would like that kind of a game. That was the, the issue. Of course, then like a year later when you had Clash of Clans in soft launch and playing that, that felt like, man, that is, that's really good. Yeah, and heyday. Like, yes, and, and heyday. The, the ideas there that were cooking in Gunshine with the, like, you have guild, guild gameplay, you have very much like co-op uh, with, mm -hmm. your, with a group of people, and that really materialized in Clash really nicely. So it, in a sense, uh, a year earlier, I couldn't see where that company was going. But a year later, it was definitely the case that the company was going places. Yeah. But it was, it was already like, then the opportunity to do another games company was again in my mind, this is, this is what I want to do. That's awesome. So, so you, so you were, you were at Supercell. You, uh, I think you left after the launch of uh, Heyday and Clash of Clans. Like the, the you know, the, uh, the rocket had already propelled itself, and yeah. then the company was, you know, going up and nobody even had an idea how up it would go but it was it was like destined to success but you know yeah. nobody would have fathomed that it's 10 billion dollars of success but anyways so you were there and that and then you started your own company and this is the third time when when i when when i heard about you and, and kind of like i don't remember if we connected at that point so about a, a couple of years after that uh you already started next games uh, you had your co-founders, and uh, I was uh, I was having breakfast during slush. I was having uh, I was actually having breakfast with, with Riccatello, and he was talking about this company. Like he was super excited about your company. <laughs> this was like years and years ago, and he was like, "Man, you gotta you gotta connect with these guys. Like you need to you need to go to Next Games." <laughs> and um, I was uh, you know he helped me connect with with several ones, and I ended up going to Zynga. Because uh, I wanted to move to San Francisco, uh, but anyways, like that was that was the one thing, and I was like, man, what is this next game? It's like, he keeps he's like so excited about it that I need to connect, and I think I I briefly connected with you, but it was like it was like you know uh, you guys were moving forward, and I was moving to a different direction, so we yeah. we never ended up working together. But can you kind of uh, can you kind of go back and talk about how did you end up from from um, Supercell? to starting next games and like what were your what was different this time compared to iron star and like yeah. what were your key learnings and so forth yeah i think the the biggest like thing that i knew i needed to implement was a founding team mm -hmm. there was more founders so we ended up being five people all together yeah. who were like in the founding team uh, it, it it helped so much to to actually like have different skill sets who are who i know that are then taken care of that it's not on me if something happens on the tech side. It's not on like me if, you know, um, something happens regarding the games mm -hmm. or it might be, you know, whatever I'm doing at the early stages. Uh, but it's still like it's a distributed challenge to pull everything together. And uh, I need to actually talk about this, Riquetello. <laughs> we were in, <laughs> actually in this <laughs> co-working space in uh, in downtown Helsinki. Yeah. Uh, it's actually an old building. We were at the, uh, in this cramped room, like 12 people, uh, probably like the, the size of our, my kitchen in my apartment. And Riccatello came in and, you know, if you don't have good ventilation, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's steamy. The bros are there and, you know, 
Uh, so we opened the window a bit and make like the Riquetello is sitting in the middle of the room. We're showing the game. He's giving really good feedback. He's that kind of person. From, from the uh, compass. Com- compass yeah. West. Yeah. He was, was excited about the Western West. game? Yeah. I think it oh was. It, well, that game, I think the good things we did really well with that game was that it actually looked brilliant. Mm-hmm. That's what we got True. feedback. Of course, it was very derivative from a build battler genre that everybody was doing at that stage. But it, it still like had, had this kind of like feeling that, okay, now you can take this into a certain direction where other people aren't. I think that was the feedback from him. And we, we definitely tried to figure that out, but it, it didn't really pan out in the end. I'm but saying, I, oh my God, not because of the quality of the game, but like the last game I made a digital chocolate was a Western game. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I will never do a Western game. It's the worst theme out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like fantasy and modern war. It's same, same with pirates. Yeah, I, I don't know about samurai and those other stuff either. They're all a bit niche. Yeah. Yeah. But it, yeah, that was, that was those days that we actually then started talking to to AMC about the Walking Dead license and eventually got it. And at the same stage, we were raising uh, funding round. So, yeah, uh, it, it sort of went into that direction that we grew really quickly. We put a lot of effort into the Walking Dead, No Man's Land. And that game actually then propelled us to the, to the IPO since it was good enough mm-hmm. to get like to a next level. So... Listen, I mean, you kind of jumped over so many steps here <laughs> from a steamy yeah. room to an IPO. <laughs> like, it's That's a, how it usually <laughs> can go. <laughs> There's a, but I mean, I'm, I'm curious, like I, I love, I love hearing about the grind because it is, it's like the, the uncertainty of the game making and um, <sighs> shit, like the, the belief that you have to have in, in, in that what you're making is going to be successful with the resources they usually that you have and the resources almost always are so small compared to the market leaders and then you're trying to get something done and and it's it's like the odds are so against you and the only thing that pushes you forward is the passion you have and the team you have around you and and when those things collide Mm. and people can do more than 200 people so can you like how did you how did you end up working with with walking dead i mean that's uh, and, 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 and like, I'm, I'm interested in that. Like, how did you end up from a compass West to walking dead? And how did you end up from walking dead to an IPO? Like, like that's, that must've been such an amazing, like a rocket ship going forward. Yeah. Well, I think kind of summarizing what happened there was that, you know, we, we were a team that was very hungry to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I guess that was like what AMC actually said was that they, they wanted somebody that they can, you know, grow with. And we were at the stage where we were super open to, to start exploring the partnership. Uh, I think that's how it ended up being like us. That, that was it, deal. Joachim, was it, was it like, um, so a lot of the times, like there's a, there's two different variations with the IP when you're working with an IP. Was this the case where working with an IP was something that you guys wanted from the start? Or was this, we're going to work with IP because we can't grow other ways. Like we did this Western games, we couldn't get the organics, we couldn't get the poll. Um, you know, maybe it was difficult to create original characters, whatnot, whatever it is. 
so was it a pull or push or both to work with an IP? I think it was, was, was about an opportunity that if it's a big IP with basically like, you know, you can bring their fans, like even, a, you know, a small portion of the fans to try yeah. out the game. It, you can leverage that to do crazy stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, it was that opportunity for sure was, to think about it. Okay, so you did not start next games with with the proposition of working with big time IPs, but it was more like that happened. That that was a realization. I would say uh, four months after we started, so it, it it came as a you know realization to figure out what do we mm-hmm. do so that there would be an opportunity which others don't have regarding mm-hmm. going into a market of where the saturation already was starting to happen. CPIs were going up and I was, I was built like planning the company in early 2013, talking with people. I remember talking with uh, Samuli Suahuoko, who's one of the, the key game industry people in Finland. And I was, I asked him like his thoughts about this kind of like when, when there's this kind of like hot market that mm-hmm. you know, in 12 months, it most likely will change into a situation where, you know, it's not, like the the golden days anymore where because everybody's come in the gold rush has happened and that was the idea that you know how quickly can we actually launch compass point west and we didn't have the velocity that was required to actually pull that Mm. off Uh, so i i I guess then we already in the middle of like building compass point west knew that if there's an opportunity to do something else we want to do it and then we had the ip idea and in which what year is this this is 2014 13 13 14 okay so it's funny because you're talking about 13 like you would be talking about 2020 you know you like the gold rush has already happened the cpis are going up this is the this is exact discussion like i don't think it ever changes this no. is the same thing that we keep on talking except with you know when supercell launched there was at the same time with the ipad release mm. so so that was you know the ipad first gaming uh, so that was like a, a, a wave that they caught really well. Uh, but anyways, so I, I kind of, because you, you said this this thing, the CPI is rising and how difficult it is, how what the velocity is of development. You know what? I get excited about those things because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about like, fuck, it's some, it is impossible to make a great game. And I'm like, but but some of them do, but some of them, like some people yeah. get afraid. I don't know. I get, I get like so excited. I want to end this call and continue making a game. But <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was actually looking at the, what, you know, those guys in Brazil, Wildlife mm-hmm. and how they, yeah, yeah. they had this, like, I was looking at their app and the stats and they have 200 games that have ever been registered on the app store, but yeah. only 80 of those are still live. Only uh, 80. Yeah. So hundred and, <laughs> 110 or so have been killed so in a sense that company has you know when it reached kind of like you know that like momentum that they now have with suba and uh, tennis clash that mm. like how many games did they make to actually achieve that kind of situation where it's it's safe to try big bets uh so i think the the realization is more about like how how do you start practicing mm. and going up a notch and then you can find success when you have kind of like the technology risk is basically zero because you've built already everything uh, so then you can just you know jam out real cool ideas like well 
like how how would you make per, more perfect brawl stars and then you yeah. look at Zuban. so i don't i don't think it's about like you know lightning in a bottle i think it's more about iterative and you know building knowledge internally about what works what could work yeah yeah just making your own process better but anyway so let's get back to you let's get back to next <laughs> game so so you were um you know, see, uh, the market is evolving. The market is maturing. It is happening. You know, it's been happening for the last seven, eight years. And um, you guys sign up a deal with AMCs. You're all hungry. You want to, you know, you want to be the next Supercell, the next Rovio, uh, the next games. <laughs> and um, and I remember you did, you acquired a studio that was like your neighboring studio back then, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 That was the, it was like a, 12 guys, the team, uh, Helsinki Game Works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a good opportunity to actually grow the team. Yeah. Talent like, acquisition. Yes. Exactly. And I think it worked really well for the stage that we wanted to do. Yeah. So, so you kind of doubled down, and, and at that point, you started growing, and, and you had the, uh, the uh, Walking Dead coming out, which is a very unique game. It was XCOM for mobile with Walking Dead license, right? It was, and it, it really like felt, I, I, I remember getting feedback from people in the industry about the game, you know, people like friendly people getting, getting like, hey, this is what's wrong with the game, mm-hmm. things like that. This won't work because this and this and this, like we've tried it, uh, you should go into that direction. But I think the, I'm really happy that we stick with what the core gameplay was which was the XCOM, even though it was kind of not conventional for, for mobile where you need to have like clear reward moments. I, I think the, the pace in these kind of games is a bit different where you need to con- constantly like, you know, you're playing like a game of chess, but you need to do a lot more uh, work. Like, cl- like where Clash of Clans actually simplifies this kind of game, mm-hmm. or Clash Royale specifically, yeah. is that... Uh, you don't need to be dragging like uh, your finger across the screen. You can just tap to make it more convenient. And yeah, and 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 the thing is, like, there's turns, and and what what usually um, you know hurts any game design is is the uh, that there's turns and people yes. don't like turns. But mm. with Walking Dead, it made sense because the the whole show. That everything about it is like, what choices do you make and what are the consequences? Right. And, and that's why, even though the gameplay is super niche, uh, mm. it actually fits that IP. So I don't know if you, you've thought about that, but, but it really, really fit the, uh, yeah. the IP. Yeah, I think that that was part of, the, part of the success there, that even though it had hindrance for, for what a gamer wants nowadays, it still felt... Like it, it was a match and that was what we got the compliments from AMC constantly was that, Hey, this is, you guys are treating the IP so well. So yeah, totally agree. Okay. So, um, so let's go from there to, uh, to a point, like, why did you decide to IPO? Because let's be honest, being a public, small, free to play mobile games company, sounds like a disaster. Well, in hindsight, there's, you know, you can see all the stuff that can happen. Also, hashtag here. stock stock owner. Yeah, <laughs> of next games. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you know, there's there's a lot of 
historical incidents regarding companies being public, uh, gaming companies who are in the mode of, you know, killing products, uh, seeing declining KPIs, how you spend user acquisition. So you just need to learn, I think, to, to live in that kind of like uh, environment and live with those reactions. So, but it, it definitely was a really good opportunity that wasn't available, let's say a year later when we would have been a company that goes out and isn't the first gaming uh, IPO, a gaming mo- mobile IPO in, in Finland. And uh, it, it was a good opportunity. I, w- I wouldn't mm-hmm. change regarding going to an IPO yeah. at all. And you had an amazing road show. You had zombies everywhere. And, and um, it, was, it was really cool. And it was the first gaming company to IPO in Finland. Yeah. So, so you know, uh, probably just amazing feeling to, to you know, going from, from that steamy room, releasing a, a Western game, then coming up working with AMC. And I think the AMC kind of rolled into working with other companies. Like, I think you work with NBC. I think there's other, like, big Hollywood studios. Because once you, once you get one, the others follow. And especially with the success you had with the, uh, with the AMC. Um, so what kind of like what happened next? Because we're at the moment in a situation where, where next game's stock has, has you know, dropped significantly. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember what it was at its height, uh, but I think it's around a euro right now, is it? Uh, I, I, I don't follow that closely um, anymore. <laughs> um, but, but like what, what happened and then how did that affect you? I think that would be most important thing because you kind of, you know, you, you put your life into something, you put your, all of your efforts and you, and you and your co-founder built something really awesome from, from nothing. And then you, you grew it so big that it, you know, it IPO'd and then the next step you're seeing is kind of going downwards and then kind of like, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, it was a realization for me that I'm not the fit for me to be mm-hmm. in that kind of a roller coaster. It was never, never really the right place. Uh, it's a roller coaster to be in a startup, even though like, like if we would have been private company, still would have been a struggle after a, a launch of a game where the numbers just aren't there and, uh, and getting into that moment. So the circumstances, whatever they are, I don't think my my kind of fit with a with a company where uh, where the stress and the ups and downs are so kind of like constant, like day to day, it just wasn't there. That I really like felt that it's something that I want. I I, I didn't know it earlier. I mm-hmm. think it required you know fourteen years of being an entrepreneur of venture back companies <laughs> to to see that, hey, there's probably other stuff that I should be doing that, that are better for me. Uh, so, so wait, like, can you, like, I'm, I'm trying to understand, like, this is really, this is fascinating because there's, there's not a lot of people with the type of experience that you have. So, so were you, um, you know, starting from nothing and, and ending into a situation where you had like 140, 150 people, right? Yeah. Um, so, so what, what in particular, cause you're, you're an entrepreneur, like, Everything that you describe is you're such an entrepreneur. You can be sitting in Supercell, launching Clash of Clans and thinking about, man, I want to start a company of my own. Uh, like, like, this is your DNA. So 
what was what what were the sort of elements that that you know that that were pressing you when when you were at the point when you had 150 people at, at, at next like specific details i think it's more about like the same feeling that you know the effort putting in it doesn't materialize uh like seeing progress is super hard in startups always like whatever uh-huh. you're doing like because you want to grow that's mm-hmm. what expected like you have vcs they expect you to grow you have like owners your public company your investors in your public company want to see growth and they reward you for growth so it's always grow 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 and that mm-hmm. that in a sense is isn't something that I, I think it's like are there other ways to show progress you know um like let's say let's take supercell as an example yes. a game that can afford failures whereas you are in a startup you cannot really afford a lot of failures you can do one but if you do two at the same time yeah uh, it 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 causes like a lot of questions what the hell are we doing <laughs> like you know that, yeah. that it you need to look at like the options there and if you don't have a, a cash flow for instance to back up uh what you're doing what you're next going to be doing if there's faith there it's gonna be super hard and that's i'm like bringing back the wildlife example mm-hmm. the brazilian guys like they have how i don't know how many games they were like how much money they were making before zuba but based on app and it definitely looks like they were definitely cash flow positive with even a hundred people or so so they could afford basically suba failing tennis clash failing uh, but then if you're a startup you're kind of like riding always what the next what's the next game that we're going to be doing and how it's going to work mm. so that's why it's if i'd never ever like i'm still never ever doing another games company but if i would do one i think the approach would be to think about like hey if i didn't have any investors if i didn't have any growth money mm-hmm. to actually like hire a big team start something uh where there's big you know upside if it works but rather think about like hey how do we do a like a very neat uh quick develop maybe hyper casual game and start from there mm. so so like, get get to the green quickly is that yeah. the yeah uh, yeah and then then organically go like that grow like that i think future play is an example in finland who who had that ex- like that kind of like approach to to these view to play games that they they coined and then they did idle games which and they're not doing view to play anymore so it's kind of question if that approach yeah worked. yeah i guess it's more about like how they how they approach the the gradual uh taking risk mm. with a bigger bigger game like the battlelands royale is definitely a bigger one so mm. it's more risky but it, so, in a sense like uh i would look at those kind of options if i if i would be doing another games company mm-hmm. in my career mm-hmm. um okay so 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 you know that what was really pressing you is is the um the pressure to grow all the time and the bigger you get the slower the progress gets yeah that's usually the case and uh, you know in a startup when when you're five guys in a cv room the progress is actually really fast 
and yeah. everything is easy. You just discuss the prototypes or keep coming in and you're, you're just marveling at how fast you go. And then when you're 150, not everybody is, you know, your, your uh, ride or die in a way in the company, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> the majority are just working there. But, but that ended up in, in something that, you know, I, I follow, I follow your podcast. I can't say I listen to every episode, you know, I got to listen to Joe Rogan sometimes too, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but anyways, like you have a podcast now you have, um, you have a blog, uh, elite game developers. That's the podcast. That's the blog. And yeah. one of the things that, you, you know, you started posting first on medium. Mm. And one of the things that you posted off, like the, what was, what was basically, um, the kickoff for elite game developers is that you suffered a burnout and, and, you wrote about it. You, you talked about, you talked about, you were really open. I mean, I, I've, I've read that, that particular post. I read a few times because, uh, well, because we're all in the same industry. Uh, first of all, I know you, I want to, you know, kind of read, you know, make sure that you're okay and everything. Uh, but the, the second thing is kind of, there's a fear of yourself as well, because, you know, we're all in this, in this crazy industry where you have to go forward fast, 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 grow, 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 grow. And the, what you wrote was, was very interesting. You wrote about the symptoms of, of burnout and how you had them for years. You wrote about fear of failure, which is really interesting given how entrepreneurial you are. Mm-hmm. I always thought that people who are this entrepreneurial like yourself would have absolutely no fear of failure. They were just you know, going forward, doesn't matter. I believe in myself and yeah. I, I don't even believe that failure can happen. And then um, you talked about believing the ideal life of an entrepreneur. And then that's the, uh, the Silicon Valley entrepreneur. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> you either win or you learn and then you try again. And that's why I kind of was, was uh, a little bit, um, not shocked, but, but it was interesting to, to read about your fear of failure uh, mm. despite living the Silicon Valley style. And finally was, was something that, that I've actually took the most out of your post. And if people haven't read, they should, they should go into your blog elite game developers and, and find the first blog post about, about, um, about, you know, burnout. And the, the final thing that he talked about was the obsession with work. And this is something that I have all the time. And, and this is actually, before we started recording this podcast, I already, you know, talked about all the apps that I've uninstalled from my phone and I don't have any notice. And I was having a hard yeah. time, you know, jumping in on this call because, uh, because I just don't get any, anything. And that's because of you. Mm, uh, I've, I've you know, I have, I have a game phone uh, yeah. and I don't take it home. It's here. I play games on it. I don't have games on my phone because mm. I can't relax playing mobile games. I relax oh. playing others, but mobile, I'm deconstructing. The moment I open it up, the loading time, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about the splash screen. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, the pop-ups that come in, what they're trying to do. I'm thinking if I'm in some kind of a cohort, you, you know. Mm. So, so can you, can you kind of like talk about, you know, writing this piece and, 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 um, and, you know, uh, yeah just however you want to talk about i know it's a difficult subject you're burnout no but, it's not uh, actually not too difficult <laughs> it's a, uh i really what i what i was thinking when i was writing it i was kind of feeling that i want to share mm-hmm. why i'm i'm you know jumping away from building games companies uh because i felt definitely that there wasn't a real fit for me in like being a founder of a venture-backed games company. So it, it 
helped me to think that hey like if other people are thinking like this like or if they're kind of like in the mode that i was two years ago when i was having constantly like these kind of burnout sessions i was meeting with a therapist once in a while uh that really didn't help me because i needed to fix my work uh so that's what i started there uh and then, then one of the fundamental things then was to actually like do something else uh as a, as a job because i think like the founder job of venture-backed company is tough uh it it puts you in a this different kind of position uh since you have people who rely on a salary there's a lot of people who wouldn't go by like wouldn't be there if there wouldn't be a salary coming in and i think that creates the most like stress for you as a founder that i've ever experienced like that's the the number one thing since you know it's it's very tough then to to part ways because people like you've been working with them for a few years already uh you know each other you know how the other person works and then then you need to think about like are they going to leave now because we cannot pay their salaries or do we actually need to force them to leave that we cannot offer a new job for them uh when you go through kind of like those moments like enough times it starts at least it it really was something that caused me to think about reevaluate what is my job there um but then like how how can i actually not think about that how can i not think about you know financial risks that much well i i need to find other stuff in my life which gives me meaning and using that like stuff that i'm figuring out then then brings back like the good feelings and i don't care if there's you know gloomy clouds regarding finances in my startup or not so it there's there's a lot of things there and i'm still learning like still thinking about like ways to actually like take away the gloomy clouds if they appear mm mm-hmm. and you talk you talk things about uh like the healing elements and talking mm-hmm. about getting bored again which is fantastic do you have a dog no but you i have should. two kids so that that's a that's a different thing <laughs> kids don't make you boring but but one one thing that because i you know i read it multiple times and like previously i took what like I, we have a dog and i took i took walking the dog as a chore like i have to fucking take that dog out and like ah oh, come on and i have a kid and you know i have i have so much stuff to do but what i started doing is i started walking the dog without taking my phone with me no podcast no nothing and you just go on a walk and all you you know and it's 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 boring and i love it like mm. i get and i come like it's it's insane how that small amount of time like half an hour maybe sometimes 45 minutes of a walk and you come in like your brain is energized and yes. uh, and uh, and and that's all only because you know you're not doing anything else you're just present in the moment you walk through the woods uh it's 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 crazy that we, that people don't get that anymore mm. and yeah. yeah yeah and it's it's you you can start treating that that as a you know your own time that it it's yeah. a it's a treat for you yeah exactly and, yeah some people do yoga i think that that or something else where you can't take your phone with you into that room 
that kind of forces you to, to think as well. Swimming is another thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, but okay, so getting bored again, that was that was a big part on, on kind of like how to heal up. And and the second part was defining work. And I don't know if you came up with this, uh, like how you described the work of, <laughs> of, a, of a founder VC, you said, it's like falling from the sky and assembling an airplane from hundreds of parts, hoping that it will fly before you hit the ground. That's Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that's, I, was, I was like, damn, you're a writer. But <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that, sounds, that sounds about right. And yeah. that's how crazy it is. And there's, and there's more and more parts coming in all the time as, mm-hmm. the, as the market matures. And, and you're reading millions of blog posts from mobile dev memo to, you know, maybe deconstructor of fun. Yeah. And what, are the, uh, what are the latest things? And, and those yeah. just add more and more parts. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to actually, I want to ask a few questions from you, man. Like, how did you, because <laughs> like, I'm like crazy happy that I'm doing content online now. Mm-hmm. Like, I think this is, it's, I don't think I'll never feel like this is something I wouldn't want to do. And I already was writing a blog mm-hmm. at the same time you were starting Deconstructor. I, I quit when I started working on Next Games. But mm-hmm. like, where did you get that idea? And how, how did you like pursue Deconstructor oh, back it, in the it day? Was, it was pretty simple. Like, uh, just like any, any you know, PM or designer, you know, we... we we looked at games and we deconstructed every company does that internally. And we did to a digital chocolate back in the days. And, and I, and kind of like a taking a step back, I've always thought by writing, like I have to write if I'm in a meeting room and I have a, I have a pen and a paper, that means I'm thinking and I'm kind of writing notes and then everything. If I don't, then I'm just phasing out. So yeah. I've, I've been always like thinking through writing and, and then doing these deconstructions at digital chocolate was good. And then I can continue. Like I, I wanted to perfect, not perfect, but just wanted to learn my craft. I was mm. a junior and, um, and I, I was, you know, writing, writing um, deconstructions and they were garbo because nobody was looking at them. So when I went back to my old notes, I was like, what was I even thinking? Like I wasn't putting the effort to make it and and that was having a hard time to find them you know are they mm. on drive or in the dropbox box whatever whatever platforms back then they were or some you know some file on some computer and and it was kind of a mess and then back at the time uh my ex-girlfriend at that moment uh she <laughs> she was into like fashion blogs and stuff and i think she started like writing a fashion blog and she used a blogger and whatnot and um and i was like all right and and that kind of like kind of got an idea from that and um and then um and yeah and then i just started i don't remember like what triggered it but i started like putting in these thoughts into a blog page and it wasn't to get views it wasn't to compete it wasn't anything i was just like i'm gonna store them here uh and and it's you know it's cloud-based and somebody will read it maybe five people and 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 um it's just you know it's it's good to do that and Mm -hmm. um and it kind of took off at the point where uh, I think there were a couple of posts that really blew up. Uh, the first one was the CSR racing. So I mm. wrote about it. I, I reread the, um, my deconstruction of the game. And I think, uh, <laughs> I think I was, a, I was the dumbest guy. <laughs> like, <if I> would <laughs> re- <laughs> like it was, it was bad, but nevertheless, it was apparent, like it, it went like a wildfire because what? yeah. yeah. 
people and, and, are figuring out what the hell yeah. is free to play. Yeah, and exactly. Like and, if somebody's, and, you know, a bit like above the noise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so back then I had like about two, two and a half years experience in free to play. So so I wrote about that game and kind of like, you know, whatever. And then uh, I also and I was I was writing kind of a, like a more theoretical pieces, you know, like three ways to improve this and that. And then um and then the the really, really big one was when I wrote about Clash of Clans. Yeah. And I think that got like half a million um views really quickly and then the blog kind of blew out from that point and and i continued doing it and i continued because i uh at all the time i i felt that it was benefiting my learning Hmm. and and throughout this time i've had i've had a little bit of an issue of balancing between like you know being a young guy and kind of like liking the likes liking the clicks and and kind of going a little bit on that direction too phases where I haven't done the blog in like half a month, a single post or, or longer mm. uh, because I was just so deep into game development. Uh, mm. But all the time it, it has been for me an outlet to, to get content out to get, to get my thoughts out. So mm. to learn and to get stuff out because you want to deliver, you want to give something out. And sometimes when you're in game development it takes year, year or two years nowadays, before you get that game out and you're running through like a boring production phase and you and market it changing is like, there's so many thoughts in your mind. So I liked to write about those and, and yeah. to, to, you know, kind of start discussions about them. And mm-hmm. as, as time went on, as, as, you know, I had my first child, um, you know, more priorities came in. So I'm not spending weekends working on it. Um, I wish. Uh, and, yeah. and, and what, what happened was there were other great blogs like Anil Dasgupta, who, who's, uh, who's now uh, First Light Games, uh, one of the founders of that company. Uh, Adam Telfer, uh, who's, who works as a, as a director of product now at WB. Um, they, both of those guys had amazing blogs, um, uh, Mobile Free Play and, and uh, Both Guns Blazing. And, um, and what was kind of happening is, is I had less and less time. I had to become more and more efficient. So I, so I contacted these guys. I'm like, you know, we're not competing. Like, why are we writing about the same things? We're, we're sharing information with the, with the market. I love what you guys are doing. And they, they thought that what, what I was doing was, was inspirational. So I'm like, let's just combine forces and let's, let's get together. And, and that, has, that was the pivotal moment for, for deconstructing. Like the second one is building this community. And we have now about 35 people all around the world, senior, senior people, like down, you know, up to SVP level people on, on, on the Slack channel. Yeah. Uh, they're all contributors to the blog. Uh, they're all, um, t- you know, every one of them has been either published or, or done something for, for the Extractor Fund where, where uh, they kind of get the entry. So that's the only way to, to get in. And, um, and it's, it's, it's fantastic. Like right now we have um, a blog post that we've been writing for a couple of months with, uh, with, um, with uh, Giovanni Ducati actually, who works at, at Scopely as director of product. So never met him directly, but we've been just, you know, working on, on, on an analysis with him for, for a couple of months. Right. That's fantastic. And then we just shared it yesterday with the, uh, with our community at DOF and we got like we put in a couple of months or so we're pretty senior guys, you know, we, we know what we're saying and the amount of feedback that we got, we're like, wow. And like the bar is so incredibly high. Mm. So you create this community where everybody's pushing each other forward and, and, and raising the bar all the time. And, and you can yeah. see that in our prediction post that we do. So I, I feel, I feel like 
in a way like proud and privileged at the same time to be to be in, in this community with these guys and, and yeah. having having like started this community so but that's- you, you like then thinking about the next step like you know eric has his workshops with the mobile yeah. dev memo i just put out uh well my book is coming out next yeah. week uh, and then there's the courses that i did regarding like pitching a games company which are yeah. pre- it's a premium course so have, is that the next step then to actually start, you know, building a business out of it? Yeah. Well, well, you tell me, dude, you're, you're like, like it never was. And now we're, we're running at a, like we we grew like 50% last year. We're at 540,000 unique readers every year. Um, probably going to cross half a million this year. Um, the prediction posts that we did are, are landing over 60,000 unique people are reading what we think about the market um there there is that that audience and then that audience kind of created a little bit of stress not stress but but like like it created the need to do the next thing you know because you can't be just sitting on top like you know i'm a product person you can't be just sitting on an, on an audience yeah and not doing anything uh and we don't want to turn it into an advertising platform there are a few partners that we work with and we've selected them carefully um, and they're not, you know, it's, it's, but that's, that's not a big business and I'm, I'm not, you know, the biggest fan of advertising when it comes to workshops, when it comes to stuff like that. Um, I don't know. What do you think we should do? Yeah. Well, there's so many options. I think for me, the big passion is, uh, running online courses. Uh, yeah. you can, you can build like a Udemy course, which is very passive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have like five videos there or something and then a few exercises. But what I'm doing now with my pitching course is that I have three basically like 30 minute sessions mm-hmm. over Zoom with the, the person who purchased the course. So there's there's those passive videos that you can watch the lectures mm-hmm. and I, I put in like a pitch deck template and things like that. But then I want to kind of like have an interactive component where I'm mm-hmm. doing some live sessions as well. So I'm and planning that a bit more into my mm-hmm. courses. I'm building a company like mission and vision, mm-hmm. like realization course actually for uh, later this, this spring. And that will have like, uh, like group activities. Yeah. So basically founders of different companies can give feedback to each other. And I think that's, that's a, like a place where you, you might want to go, uh, but you know, you know you what? Co- collaborate with me on but, that. But, but here's the thing. Yeah, I can collaborate. That's that's that I, I'm more than happy to help in any ways I can. But I don't want to do that. I don't want to do the courses because that's not deconstructor fun. And I've kind of learned it because this year we kicked off this uh, mobile market monthly. We got 400 over 100 companies interested in getting a subscription based um, analysis of the market. Right. And yeah. you know what? I think we're pivoting away from that. So I had a talk with uh, with ABC uh, yesterday, and. Um, I don't think we're delivering what deconstructor fun does in those type of uh, subscription. Like it's kind of like everything for everybody uh, mm-hmm. kind of a view. What why people like deconstructor fun, what I've learned through this process of, of talking to numerous uh, top companies uh, during this year, uh, they like when we go incredibly deep, like our posts are 15 to 20 pages. They're so detailed that you have to take a break. You have to go for a coffee. You have to yeah. come back. And, and what people like is we dive super deep on the product, we dive on the marketing, and then we come out and explain like, okay, here's what you could do and here's the prediction what's gonna happen and here's what you should be doing. So 
I don't even want to do that, that type of subscription thing anymore. Mm. I want to, if we do something, we have to tailor it to, to companies. So we have to work with the, the companies that are in for this type of level of insight. Uh, and, you know, I, I work closely with Eric Suford. So, so that's, that's one where we marry the product and, and marketing. And then, mm. and, and that would be, that would be the only case where, where we are sort of um, advisors and, and like premium insight providers exclusive for, for specific large companies. And I think that's, that's the way we, we would go. And currently we have done consulting. We've consulted publishers, platforms, um, top development studios, um, smaller studios owned by a larger publisher who publisher works with, um, you name it. We've done a lot of different things and I, I find it interesting because I get an inside view into a different studio or a different organization. It's very, uh, it's, it's a great learning experience. It's also a great learning experience to work with a, let's say a platform where you kind of, again, take a macro level view and then create a, a playbook uh, for, for, for that, for that platform. So I think I'm more interested in that. Uh, and I, I know it's not as scalable, but mm. at the same time, it's free to play, man. It's mm. like, we're not doing everything for everybody. We're doing something great for few of the great ones. So that's how I see it. Like that's the change of the business model, model from subscription to, you know what? Free to play is the way to go. Yeah. Whale business. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm constantly <laughs> like that. I was, I kind of realized in the last few weeks that what, what should hard work look like? So like, you know, putting out more articles, putting, mm-hmm. you know, more, podcast episodes out like in a faster pace but i think i'm noticing more that i want to do like challenging hard projects Mm -hmm. that's hard work exactly not hours spent exactly yeah so so yeah so 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 that that's what that's what that's where i'm i'm heading to because you know doing these these everything for everybody and we we started doing mobile market monthly and, um, you know, the feedback was good and there was, a, but it always skewed more towards like, oh, we want more insights. We mm. want deeper. We want deeper. I'm like, so you want deconstructor fun? Like, yes. Yeah. We want deconstructor fun. I was like, okay, yeah. but that's going to be premium. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, so that, that's, and, and I think, yeah, you, I think you're doing, you, you know, uh, you're doing things that, that help you. So, um, mm. we've, we've been talking for an hour. I want to like, I think we're at a good path in the sense yeah. that that I want, I want to ask you a question. Like, what do you think? Cause you're, you're, you are an advisor to gaming companies. Yes. So let's say, let's say Joachim, I'm coming now to you and you, okay. So with, with my background, with everything that you know about me, uh, I'm thinking about starting a games company. What's your advice? Don't mm. do it. <laughs> but like, yeah. what is the team? Okay. So I have a team. Let's say, let's say I have a team. I have devs. I have art. Uh, I'm good on the team. I can scale the teams. So the team is basically the A class. Like, you know, let's not put any people into classes, but in a sense, like people who are very experienced. Yeah. Yeah. And in in that sense, by the way, I wanted to ask regarding a class team. So there's a A class team for a phase of development. Yes. Uh, So, in the beginning, do you recommend building, taking in a few people who are good in the early stage, but will likely suffer at the mid to big? I think I would take generalists. 
who, yeah, yeah. who are really good at a certain skill, like mm-hmm. technical skill. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. But yeah, you would product as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So no, no, that that was that was the question asked. Okay. So let's put it this way. I I got dude. I got a team. I got an idea. It's mm. genre defining. It's big market. We got benchmarks. Um, I know people who know people who have money. So I have that too. What's your advice? Like, should I do it or not? Yeah, you should. Don't. Okay. Uh, but but like there's. <laughs> There's a few advices, like yeah, if you go exactly. into that ad- advice giving area, I wouldn't raise any, any more than you need. And even then start thinking about taking a salary cut because you don't really want to pay yourself a nice salary in a startup. You'd rather keep the shares for yourself. Yeah. Uh, so, so you said don't, so, okay, let's talk about pre-seed. Uh, so you said, don't raise more than you need. What would be a goal of a pre-seed? Like not monetary, but I, let's put software. Um, do you mean like the expenses, the burn rate? No, no. Like what, what in, what is the deliverable of a pre-seed? Like, let's put it because it's, oh, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. what, what do you want back. to have? Like, yeah. To, when, to actually... Before you, exactly. Before you go to a seed, like what is, what is the deliverable for pre-seed that you think is a good one? Well, you know, pre-seed and seed are kind of like if you have a team who's super experienced, you can go directly to the seed. Mm-hmm. But I would like whatever the first fundraising moment that happens, it should be that you are in a situation that you've kind of proved already something to yourself. It's it's not about like, hey, can we get money or not? You can yeah. get money for sure. There's There's money out there. But like, what do you prove for yourself first that this is something that will work so that we don't need to give out more shares because it didn't work? You know, so, that, that kind of like, don't prove stuff with VC money. That's, I think. Yeah, yeah. Thing. So, but, but talk about the deliverable. Like, I'm, I'm interested yeah. in that. Like, let's say, you know, do I need to have, like, what is, what is the level of software? Do I need to, when I exit, when I exit pre-seed, when I go for a seed round or, yeah. you know, whatever. Do I do yeah. I have like a first playable? Is yes. that the goal? It is. If you go for something, you know, that the, the investor isn't looking like, hey, this is the, the best team ever that's walked through the door mm-hmm. just now. Uh, it's Maybe it's a team that is still like, you know, figuring out who else they still need and mm-hmm. things like that. Maybe there's one guy who's really good and the rest are more or less there because they were friends or something um, because of the guy <laughs> yes well yeah there's there that team isn't yet kind of like the best possible so what they need to do then if they want to act together and build you know something that they could raise then it requires a playable it requires something that you know a customer has tried it, it always helps that you have some insights into what this would look like what does the customer success look like for your product? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Like in my opinion, like I, I want to get to the software really fast. I want to get to the good looking software. People just grabbing like, holy shit, I want to play more. Mm-hmm. And even though it would be the simplest element of it, but it's still the unique selling point that you're kind of going after. And you can showcase that. And you should showcase that at the at the end of the pre-seed. And yeah. you also should showcase that, that you've achieved results with this extra with this you know bare bone team and then yeah. you can move forward to build a skeleton team in the in the uh in the seed 
Um, yeah. So, okay. So final, final question. I mean, we're running out of time. I need to get back to building games. Yeah. Um, do, as a, as a, as a lead game developer, as a founder. So you have an, okay. So you have a book coming out. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about that? Yeah. So the book is called long-term game, mm-hmm. how to build a games company. It's, it's kind of putting together the thoughts that have come from the last 15 years about starting and building two games companies uh, talk talking about like, you know, building the team, picking your first product to go after uh, mission, vision, uh, find fundraising, validating uh, your products, finding product market fit. And then a lot of, you know, the, the different kind of failure moments that can come up. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a comprehensive kind of collection. That's 18th of March. So I don't know when we're going to be putting this live, but it's going to be on Amazon as mm-hmm. an audiobook, paperback, and Kindle. Mm-hmm. That's, that's awesome. So people can get it. But um, so as, as this person who's, who's walked the path multiple times um, and, you know, you've, you've met and saw and, and you're kind of like your, your, your next goal in life is to mentor game founders, right? Yeah. So, so can you, can you mentor, like, can you give me an advice? What's in your, if you were in my shoes or if like, let's you're in your shoes and you know yes. me, you know, you know where we are. Yeah. Uh, would you, what, what would you recommend me that I would be doing? I'm, I'm reading from you that you knew you want to do two things. So you want to do deconstructor, <laughs> but you also want to build games. I think there's, there's a lot of people's people in gaming, especially who are more senior, who can't let go, <laughs> kind of like building games. Uh, so I think you need to choose a path because that, it, 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 I would, if I were you, I would go with the deconstructor, but like, I don't know what your plans are. So yeah, yeah it's no, yeah. but that's, but that's, <laughs> but that's the advice. That's the advice. Yeah. But man, I have a question for you as well. What's yeah. your all, all time favorite mobile game? Uh, Clash Royale. That wasn't a, yeah, I, I would say the same. Yeah. That game is, it's not installed on any of my devices. That's, that's the, uh, that's the, that's the, <laughs> the paradox of it. <laughs> I love it so much that I hate it. It's a, uh, it's like a, it's like I'm a fucking junkie for that game mm-hmm. and I can play, I, I hate when they do a big update and they talk about this new feature, whether it's a fucking battle pass or whatnot. And then I have to install, just take a peek, like, what's the what's the feature like and then i'm caught for like two months playing it all the time being angry at my daughter because you know (laughs) (laughs) because i just had like a losing streak i'm like i fucking need to get rid of this that's why i have the game phone that is at work so i'm not playing when i'm at home and and you know getting pissed yeah close second for me is uh, contest of champions really yeah because that game is so good with kind of like layering things yeah. like for years that you you kind of feel that oh this is territory I haven't yeah. been in they have it's super like hard to game hard game to get into if you yeah. don't play RPGs but so so the close second for me would be Call of Duty Mobile I mean mm. the thing is when you, we, we sometimes play that at work and we we put it on a big screen so some of us puts it on their screen and then everybody else plays people stop they stop where they were and they stop and start watching like it's esports and we have so much fun that game is marvelous like <laughs> like everything about like it it's, it feels like these guys are playing like ps3 
and and just it's it's just you know the zombie mode was whatever but luckily they're taking that out but but like playing the battle royale mode doing all the stuff to, it's just so it's so social it's such an amazing game and yeah. um uh, what would be your third one let's let's end up with this like <laughs> yeah i need to pick something that i played because i think free to play really is easy to look at since you can like you can look at the games that you played for a long, yeah. long time on you go back to them and it feels you know good like if you have a third already i'll i'll let you go oh, first. so my third one world of warships not the mobile version uh, the browser uh, version this mm-hmm. game like you know because i can't relax playing mobile games it's just too much thinking uh, except call of duty because <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like so straightforward there's not a lot of mechanics you need to learn from but yeah. world of warships like when you put your headphones on and i remember i played this game first time at, a, at an esport event i don't remember where but i wasn't participating in an esport it was just there on a, on a on a on a laptop and i was like fuck it must be really hard to guide a giant battleship but it was actually so intuitive and then you put the headphones on and you hear the the sound of the ocean the sound of the birds and right. and it's like and then the pace is slow and it's so calculated but at the same time it's not like turn based and and having you know i'm i'm born in st petersburg which is like a naval city in a way and yeah. there's ship in the game that is out on the in in like in the middle of st petersburg it's like an old battleship and you can play with that ship and it's actually a premium ship so so it's just (laughs) there's there's like a lot of childhood things there's a lot of things of of living always by the sea Hmm. and then there's the the ship that you've been you know climbing on when you were a kid and then the fact that you can truly relax when you put your headphones on and and you know be a be a captain and then it just turns into this heated torpedo battle like suddenly from from relaxing like an ocean trip into like mayhem of Mm. fighters everywhere and coordination with your team and everything so shout out to wargaming amazing simulation battle (laughs) yeah now i figured out it's uh star wars galaxy of heroes is my third (laughs) mainly because i learned so much from that game as a you know building free to play because it it opened up like the star wars ip is so recognizable but then you go yeah. into like after like feeling uh you know i want to have vader but then you start understanding like what are the the mechanics underneath to actually like drive people to, to go to the live events and how do you cater yeah. live events and it was exactly. a big learning experience but then they added the warship uh the starships expansion and then i was out it was too much too much yeah all right, all right hey okay. did, thanks man did hour and extra so shout out to uh elite game developer podcast if you haven't listened to it listen my only advice that i've told you many 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 times is get a co-host uh makes your life easier (laughs) you can focus on something i can you know jcam is always ready to co-host anything so i bet he is (laughs) he's the uh he's the uh official king of podcasts uh yes. so, so you should definitely <laughs> ask him but but yeah. overall you know hey good stuff great. man really happy to read uh, the big article that you're bringing out soon do you know a date already when that's no that's... no but it's it's this is gonna get tons of clicks because it's it's about it's a deconstruction of one of the best gaming companies out there you know what oh nice yeah okay looking forward to that man all right hey Catch you again. Talk to you later, joke. Bye. Bye.